Hello. Hello. And hello. And hello to you. Wait a second. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Wait a minute. Those of us who can't see her, well, now we can hear her. What do we have here, Lindsay? Well, two Marketeers fans, welcome back to season two. This is our first episode of season two, and we are joined by the lovely and talented Meg Kerr. Hi, guys. Who's Meg? This is Who's the first guest ever? Uh, for those of you who don't know Meg or haven't seen, we brought Meg in to help us with some of our um, exciting promo material for season two, our season two launch. But for those of you who may have not seen any of that, I'll just let you know a little bit about Meg. Meg has worked in a variety of strategy roles. She started working in digital and social. That's where we met a long time back. And she has then moved on to brand. It is now the head of planning at an independent agency called Duggan Partners, which is a new role for you. Congrats, Meg. Oh, thanks so much. I'm loving it. It's been so like exciting. Amazing journey so far. Yeah. Good. So this is a big milestone because Meg is our very first special guest that we are having on the Two Marketeers podcast. So we are so pumped you're joining us, Meg. No pressure. No, really, Meg, there's no pressure. There's absolutely no pressure. (laughs) None. So true. I mean, Welcome, we've Meg. been in we've been in perhaps not virtual rooms like this before, but we've been in rooms like this before about a decade ago. So this isn't like totally new, but it's a new format, that's for sure. I know. So. I feel like we're in the same room. We're in the we're same. We're back, room. baby. We're back. We're probably far less pressure than the last time we were ever all in a room together. <laughs> Amen. Yep. That's right. Great point. Mm-hmm. Which the I think leads nicely head. into our topic, actually. So, Sean, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the future of work. I had to cover all that because Lindsay was taking a sip of water. But anyways, uh, very, very timely topic. I think what's really interesting about it is I don't think it's coming and going. I think it's going to be hot for the foreseeable future as everyone tries to predict what the future of work is. So um, what I want to kind of hand it over to you, Lindsay and Meg, is to really talk Talk us through how did we get here today? Why is we know it's a hot topic, but how is it relevant to the three people in this room? Well, shall we start with kind of where we met and where we are? Sounds good. Okay. So uh, the three of us, as I said, met a while back, probably 12, 13 years ago now, where we were all working at big agency, you know, downtown Toronto. Um, really in the thick of it, very busy, very type A and crazy and running around, you know, big agency and style life. And important. We were Telling ourselves important. we're very important, like everybody does. And we have now kind of ended up at various stages of what we kind of see and envision to be the future of work. So um, Sean being, you know, independent consultant running his own business for a long time now um, out of the agency world, me (laughs) stroking his beard for those who can't see. Um, I most recently, you know, being a consultant of the last two years um, and kind of leaving big agency, but still doing a lot of work for big agencies and, uh, and big brands. And Meg heading up um, strategy at an independent agency, Doug and Partners. So very exciting opportunity. And so now we're kind of these three industry pals who are down these different paths of the future of work, whether it's Sean, who's been working on his own from his home for quite a while, me being kind of six months into it before the pandemic hit and what's kind of evolved over the course of the pandemic. 
And then Meg, you can tell us a little, a little bit about your recent move, both to a new agency, but also to a different kind of area to work from your home. So where are you at now? Yeah. So I find this topic so fascinating because to your point, Linz, we have all like, we started in the same place or we, one time we crossed paths in the same place and now we're in really different places in terms of our career, where and how we work. Mm -hmm. And what I find is more as interesting or more interesting than like, you know, is hybrid here to stay is remote. Does that work? Et cetera. Is less about like, you know, those big predictions on logistically the future of work, but more almost like the shifting role that work has in people's lives. Yeah, um, right. I thought it'd be, yeah, I thought it'd be a really timely topic. For First and foremost, I feel like I've been forced to look at this idea of whether it's work-life balance or, you know, leisure time versus work time. Um, because in the past year I've worked on, you know, a couple strategy projects. We actually worked on one together. Sure um, did. I hired an amazing brand strategist to come help, um, help me out with a project that was in Boston about a year ago. Um, I was like, dear boss, can I book an internal with you, please? If you don't mind. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I will send you some wine and we'll have a zoom call with some wine to go over the work, but yeah, <laughs> but as you know, that was a huge exploration of like how people manage work and life. What's that going to look like mm. in sort of the post COVID world? Um, so I've worked on projects in commercial real estate that delve into this topic to brands like, um, in the cannabis space that also look at, you know, what is the role of, of leisure versus work and how do we balance that? So, um, one thing that reignited my obsession with this topic, uh, or seemingly <laughs> like the inescapability of looking at this, aside from the fact that, you know, I thought it'd be a timely yeah. thing to talk about going back to the office for many of us, I'm at least going back to the office. I know a lot of agency folks are as things are mm -hmm. opening up. Um, but I also thought that it would be, um, you know, a timely thing to discuss because there was an amazing article published in the Atlantic the other day that again, like reignited my obsession with this, um, topic I can't seem to escape from personally or professionally. So, um, I was at a big agency. It was perhaps one of the most intense periods of time in my career during COVID trying to sort of keep all the balls in the air, feeling under-resourced, um, you know, uh, just in, an incredibly intense sort of environment. Um, yeah. At the same time, decided to follow the trend of, of many, you know, millennials, of which I am one, and uh, buy a house outside the city. So we kept our loft in the city and we bought a small hobby farm in Prince Edward County, which is where I am now. I was gonna say, just for context, there's outside of the city and then and there's, there's where you are. Like, this is not uh, Paladin or I'm literally looking or across York. Oakville. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking across the street out my home office window. It's a cornfield. And uh, <laughs> if there's any background noise, it's probably a tractor going by because everyone's putting their hay bales, you know, they're taking them to their barns now. So like I know nothing about season. Bailing the hay. Yeah. So for me, the, the, you know, the, the role of work and leisure and even like where I'm working has like radically changed in ways I couldn't have imagined prior to March, 2020. Um, yep. and it's bringing up all these new questions. So the article that, um, was recently published in the Atlantic that I was like, yes, this really resonated with me. And I think it will resonate 
with you guys as well in sort of mm -hmm. creative professions. It was called why your leisure time is in danger. Stop treating your time off as a productivity hack. So I pulled what I think is like the closest. <sighs> yeah. Mind Say that one more time, Meg. So why your leisure time is in danger. Stop treating your time off as a productivity hack. So the two little people inside my brain have been arguing about that sentence since you sent me this article. Yeah. One of them is like, everything's a productivity hack. Everyone's trying to do everything to be better all the time, no matter what. And the other one's like, be cool, man. It's just relax. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm so excited to dive into this article with you. Yeah. So I thought it would be a good moment to kick off and pick out. There was tons of sort of uh, you know, facets of this argument that this article dives into. So I really recommend checking it out. Um, but I pulled what I think was sort of like the thesis of the article, just so everyone gets a sense of sort of the argument um, that uh, Professor Pelk from McGill University, he actually wrote the article, was sort of getting at. So I love that it's I love that it's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Poli sci professor. I love that it came from McGill. Yeah. Right. And we'll post the link to the article in the uh, references so that you guys can go check it out. So here's the quote that I pulled. So over the past few months, a string of pundits and business columnists have been calling for a four day work week, paid parental leave and tighter limits on mandatory overtime. Many of these thinkers rationalize proposals that give us back our time by promising that they will contribute to overall prosperity. A well-rested workforce, the argument goes, is a more productive one. And then he goes on to write, these experiments and the well-meaning arguments behind them illustrate a tricky paradox. Leisure is useful, but only insofar as it remains leisure. Once that time is viewed as a means to improve employee morale and higher growth, then leisure loses the very quality that makes it so potent. And I think this really resonated Yes. Because we've all let's pause. Yeah. Soak it. Right? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Those of us who are working from home and have made that a key decision of how we will work, not where we will work. And I think that's fundamental. Look at that. And it's more of a, okay, that's good to remember. Good to remember. But what you just said, Meg is I think people like us would recognize that. I think it falls on deaf ears for those who haven't been able to make the decisions we've made. Yeah. Fair? Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that you said, Sean, that's interesting though, is that I think there's been a big spur in people recognizing that it's the where they will work, whereas they haven't done as much digging into the how you will work. And it's the shift of the mindset of how you work, not where you work, that I think is where the actual work needs to be done. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, it's kind of like I've done this. I've done some strategy for various companies over the last few years, and and it's I'm seeing it happen in different markets. So it started retail, right? So when there was really an opportunity for retail to evolve, how do you shift the mindset? And it was about stop thinking about where people shop and stop start thinking about how people shop. Yeah. And it was a real eye opener. I got pay, I got paid a lot of money for it, <laughs> um, but I just. That was kind of an aha moment for me in doing the research. And I'm like, it's the same opportunity and just a completely different platform. It's that we've decided first you think it's a decision of where you work until you do it and you realize it's not perfect and you have to hone it and you have to make it work for mm -hmm. you. So I think for me, where I stand on the shoulders of giants is, you know, it's, it's, it's in so many places, the human experience, the research search will show us that it's about changing 
the, the, the fun foundation of we no longer have to dictate where we work against productivity, how we work. And if within how, where is part of it? Uh, anyways, yeah. I know I've gotten really deep really fast, but. <laughs> no, but that's what that quote from the article sparks, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I think all of us is, you know, this discussion should be really around everything we're talking about just to say, but we're, we've defined how we work and we refuse to are going to do our best to not allow where we work compromise how we work and the quality of the work. And I know Meg, you know, we're going to talk about this, but it's, we've had discussions about this and it's like, as a creative, as other creatives, as strategists, as creative thinkers, no one has ever proven that taking less time to do something is better. Yeah, you you don't you don't equate like there isn't a linear connection between the number of hours spent on a Zoom call and better ideas. Like I think anyone <laughs> can we please get that tattooed on our faces? Backwards. Yeah. Don't make the mistake. But the you. irony, of course, is that you know we all still live in a world where largely, especially big agency, where the way we measure value is we bill hours. So there's this mm-hmm. disconnect between the way ideas, and I include strategy in that too, because I think great strategy is more like poetry than mathematics. And that it is like coming Ooh. up with, I stole that from someone we interviewed actually. She probably stole it from someone else, so it's fine. Another but, beautiful um, quote. We will also include some favorite quotes in our references. <laughs> you just make, you know, those like Pinterest quotes squares. Yes. Like post on our social media. There you go, guys. Thank you. Free idea for your social Oh my posts. God, we're on a whole new platform. <laughs> Lindsay, we got to talk. We're on a whole new platform. Our What's Pinterest your Pinterest page? strategy? No. Quote squares. Quote squares. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I think that like there's an, an even more interesting paradox when we go back to this article of like, should leisure always be used in the interest of productivity? Or can we not just like be because it loses the value when you start relaxing as a means to unlock ideas? Yeah. You know, we've all been there, right? It's a tough thing. Like I was just reading in the drum this morning, you guys know, one of my favorite resources is the drum, but they were also talking about like, People who go to work at agencies are typically high-performing type A type people. So it's also very hard when you have a company that's built of these types of people to flip the switch on what leisure and relaxing means in the name of productivity. Like I'm, I think I'm a prime example of that as I started um, running a lot in the pandemic and Meg, you know, you are an avid runner. You know, I am not an avid runner. (laughs) I only run when there's like wine down the street and I'm trying to get it. So during the pandemic, that sounds accurate. Yeah, yeah, accurate. Yeah. During the pandemic, I started to run a lot and it's such a backward way of thinking because I'm like, well, if I run more, I'm going to get my adrenaline pumping. I'm going to get my ideas going. I'm going to have a clearer head so that when I come back home, I can get down to work. And even in that moment, I'm like, I'm treating the only physical health experience I have in the day in the name of productivity. And it just comes naturally for me to think that way. It's scary, actually. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, actually, one thing that really shifted my perspective on the role of work and and what it meant to me and 
you know, as I was living through this intensely stressful time, we actually moved to the country. Um, so before we bought our home in the county, we moved to a home, a family home in like a really rural area. And we would go into town and you could, you know, the pace of life was so different. And after having lived in a city, living that like ad agency life where you're like, you know, um, you know, go to going to parties or launches like three days a week mm -hmm. and then having, you know, going living in a loft and you're taking the TT. It's that like hectic energy that like makes the city so special. Once you're removed from that, you're just like, wow, there's actually like another way to live. Yeah. That can unlock ideas and thinking and enhance sort of, you know, how effective you can be at work. Yeah. Um, that isn't related to like constantly grinding, I guess. So what is <laughs> but, it like yeah. now? Like what is the feeling or mindset that you have now, now that you're still working for, you know, agency downtown and like leading strategy. And that's, that's a big role, Yeah. but now living in rural and, you know, balancing that, but having like, how has your, the way that you spend your energy on work, has that shifted or is it, does it actually just kind of feel like you're doing big work in a different place? It's completely shifted for me. I think part Same. of it is because I've changed jobs. But I, I feel like mm. previously, um, and maybe it is part of where I lived, I would get up, I lived in an open concept loft. So it was like, you're basically in one big room. Yeah. <laughs> and there is zero delineation between work and life. I would get up, sit at my desk, work all day, you're on tons of meetings, and then you go to bed. And it's like, what you think about before you go to bed, what keeps you up is like that next meeting at 8 a.m. Um, and then, you know, by the time you log off for the day, which when do you really log off? You know, you're, you're having a glass of wine, not because you want a glass of wine. It's because it's it's the way to wind down. Right. Or right. you're watching Netflix. You have to counteract. Like, you have to. It's like yeah. stretching. Right. You've just done a workout. Now you need to stretch it or else yeah. it's going to hurt. Like, you're going to feel like pain. Every moment of the day was in service of work, whether it was like what you ate in the morning to your point lens, like whether you took that distance run versus, you know, yeah. everything was in service of optimizing yourself as a worker and moving somewhere different, putting yourself in a different environment where like I can walk outside on a coffee break instead of just like sitting at my desk. And, you know, it sounds yeah. so, like something I'd make fun of myself for if I knew where I was five, five years ago, if I looked ahead is like, you know, walking through the garden, watering the plants, taking pictures of bees on the sun. Like I am such a loser. Like what happened to me? Like, you know? Such a loser. But it like, really- the record, okay, our yeah. second day of knowing each other, we were at a Smirnoff party together, like live tweeting from events. So we, yeah. no one knows what happened to any of us actually. No one knows. Well, I pretty much stayed boring the whole time, but- You yeah, came I, with I always, us to some parties, come on. Yeah, but not day two. And I usually left early. No, do you remember the yacht story? Oh my God, the yachting oh, club. Oh yeah, that was, oh, that yeah. was. I think Lindsay thought she was going to die. It was the first time on a yacht, I think. And they came to work <laughs> dressed like Ralph Lauren models. And the next day we're like, so was It was a race. And Lindsay was like, <laughs> she comes into my office. Can I sit down? Because I literally almost died. Yeah. Like there's a difference between <laughs> cruising on a yacht and racing like a j-series boat we thought it was the, the former difference. 
it was the latter and it didn't go well for us. Our, our captain was like, where are your running shoes? And we were like, excellent question. Why do you need those? <laughs> yeah. We Because weren't you wearing like your Louboutins or Let's whatever? Let's not get into it. Oh. They were still, they were Tory Burch flats okay. at the time. That Those were cool. Anyway, you know, what's our best moment? Okay. Wasn't our most uh, best moment? I had a great time. I Sorry, I got us off track. <laughs> yeah, but that's fun. That was when Lindsay was just new, and I'm like, let's be honest, Meg was always the rebel, and I'm like, Meg has broken her. <laughs> We're Took here, her we've one made day. it, guys. But go back to that question around, did it change my perspective? I actually yeah. think similar to like, I don't have kids, but from what I've heard, having mm-hmm. kids really gives you like this new experience, a new perspective on life, which you bring to your work, right? Um, and I think changing where you live, you know, in a radical way, or your lifestyle um, can bring new thinking because it gives you a new perspective. So um, it, one of the things I think of all the time is I used to work on briefs for a uh, a brand in the alcoholic beverage space, which is iconic and targets a more traditional sort of uh, drinker. And a lot of people who drive that volume don't live in big cities. And you know, I think back to sitting around a boardroom and being a strategist and, and needing to understand this consumer and now living the life of that consumer, I'm like, what the hell Hilarious. I thinking? You know? <laughs> so it's interesting, you know, now living and, and understanding perspectives of both, you know, um, your typical ad agency person, which I'd say what I was, and now having, you know, your next door neighbors uh, be literal farmers that have lived here for generations. So it's really, mm-hmm. um, as a strategist, it's an amazing privilege to get to open your new eyes perspectives. Yeah. New perspectives. Um, it's really cool. I've got a question for you, Meg. Um, what, what shifted your mindset, right? Was there something, uh, just like someone who has a kid is they decide or find out that they're having a kid, right? So that is reacting. That's making a reaction or a decision that then sets the unknown path Mm -hmm. of complete change over years. Well, like you said, you made a very significant lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. Help us understand what, what brought you to that? Because that's what we don't talk about is, okay, so where you are now is great. What made you even think that this was an option? Because I think a lot of the times we get so wrapped up is there's no way out. I think the, the hybrid work thing, like coming back to future of work, that was a game changer because we had talked about, do we buy a house in the country? Like we'd always wanted to do that. Um, but then we're like, are you going to pay a mortgage to be in a house? You're only there mm. on weekends. Cause we, we were unable to work as you guys know, agency world, you can't not be in the office or you previously couldn't, at least in my world. Yeah. It was really difficult to arrange that. Not without taking yeah. a big hit, right? Not without Perce- doubling your hours on other days, making sure yeah. that Perception, everything. Right. It's a career limiting move. It so, is. um, especially, especially yeah. for women, I hate to like, yeah, let's be, be honest. honest. But once we had the opportunity to realize, wow, COVID has created this massive reset. And I think great talent is going to demand flexibility and where and how they work. And that, and, and if you don't offer that, what you're going to sacrifice is good talent. And so yeah. we felt like, okay, we now have this really unique opportunity to, it would be worth it to explore having this, you know, more rural uh, destination or home, which would be really cool. So that was sort of like the, reality that 
made it possible. Uh-huh. That was sort of like, this is it actually something and to we're, consider. And we're different too. Like we don't have kids and we have a small loft in the city and we weren't at a place where we were all in in real estate in Toronto, which as we know is like cripplingly expensive. So we had the opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of like keep a small place in the city, a pied de terre, which I like to call it now, and oh. then have this home um, in the country, which frankly, like, let's be real. This is our... Uh, child for the interim because it's it's an older home it needs a lot of work and there's so much you know it's things love. we want to do it's love <laughs> um and also just it needs its diaper changed on occasion does. i get yeah, it i think that the would metaphor be a is strong the cistern yeah um but <laughs> but yeah i didn't even know what that was before i moved here <laughs> I was gonna say, who's sister yeah is your sister there oh sister i get it but yeah i think that the other thing that i you know I just saw in the news, which I thought was so cool, is Anheuser-Busch or ABI InBev, whatever you guys want to call it these days, whatever it is at this point. (laughs) We've all worked on that at a previous agency and they just opened an office in Austin because they're like, that's where talent is moving to these like non-coolest place on earth. And I think that like, it is the cool. Hey, we went there together. Lindsay and I went to South by Southwest. Surprising. We made it out of there together, to be honest. I, uh, I approved the budget. That's Ooh. all I can. We tacked on a good uh, vacation at the end of that as well. And thank yeah, you, Sean, for approving bad. that budget. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. What happens in Austin stays in Austin. But I thought that was a big move by not even just an agency, but like a company mm-hmm. to say, this is where talent is going, where they want to live. And we're going to follow that. And I think that um, I have a friend who has a reference for it that got a job. I think he's a senior writer cassette and he's full-time living in Winnipeg. And I was like, that is so progressive. And although I think there are apprehension on the side of agencies to be like, do I want someone who can't be in the office all the time? The benefit Mm -hmm. of having people around the country or the world perhaps means that, that, you know, you have more perspectives on the work. You have one big thing that um, my GM at Duggan Partners, and one of the big reasons why I went to Duggan Partners is she is a huge advocate for intellectual diversity. And there's parts of that can be like, oh, that's a nice, you know, that's so nice that you're, you know, um, looking for people with different perspectives and from different backgrounds. Yeah, there's the, there's the nice side, but there's the actual like strength of ideas side, which appeals to me. It's I think not that, nice. It's critical. It's critical. like that. You can't yeah. have a bunch of people who are 20 who live in Liberty Village sit in a boardroom and come up with ideas that are going to resonate with moms in Winnipeg. Like that's, it just exactly. doesn't work that way. So I do think flexible work is going to make it easier to create those teams and make creative ideas um, better and stronger, frankly. Yeah. So, okay. That's fucking awesome. Um, thanks for that perspective. Lindsay, based on what Meg has said, what are your observations? You know, like, was your situation much different? And it was, but how is it the same? How is it different? Like, what happened for you? Because to be clear, everyone, Lindsay made the shift to work from home and to work for herself, because it was all in one at that point, Um, was six months, a bit more before the pandemic. Yeah, six months pre-pandemic. Therefore. Yeah, I went out on my own and work from home. So you made a decision about your future of work versus right now it is a thing. Yes. 
right? Like let's everyone get perspective is the decision was Lindsay's. What happened that made you kind of say, I think this is time. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure you're going to like my answer (laughs) as much as Meg's. I am not as enlightened as Meg in this area. So no wrong my, answers. Yeah, but Meg, Meg has the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, I have the pandemic. Meg, I have the Meg easy cheated. question. No, easy. what Meg has is the mindset. So that is where I, as I talked about with the running in name of productivity, to be honest, that's what it is. Um, I, the reason I made that decision to work for myself and to work from home was to take what I will call fictitious control of my life and my career. So <laughs> I say that in that I'm like, I can control how much money I make. I can control when I work. I can control where I work. I can be there for my kids should I need to be. I can take six months off a year should I want to do that. And the reason I say that it's fictitious (laughs) is because you think you don't work for anyone, but everyone always works for someone is like, that's, it's, that's kind of a reality. And I think the place where I struggle is like, I've made the decision to embrace remote work, which now is everyone's decision at this time. And I, my mindset hasn't shifted as much as it should. Because again, when I go back to the whole agency type personality, I'm performance driven. I'm a type A personality. I am now I'm viewing this opportunity as a chance to do something for myself and something bigger and create something as in this podcast, but as also in my career. And so it's very hard for me to uh, prioritize leisure for the sake of leisure, because I'm currently at a time where I have two kids under six. I, you know, I'm still in my thirties. I'm like performance driven and my mindset has not shifted as much as it should. And that's my big question back to you guys is I think um, to you both, I think that people have made the decision around remote work. Like I want to work remotely for the rest of my life and have a hybrid work model because I think that's, what's going to be better for me. I don't think people are necessarily companies and employees alike analyzing the mindset shift that needs to take place. It's not the location. It's the way you value work and how you do it. It that in my opinion is what needs to shift in the future of work. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Do you want an argument there? Yeah. So if I can make an observation and ask a few questions. Um, Lindsay can be very unforgiving of herself, everyone. Um, (laughs) But I think what's important is, what's funny is you made a decision and then the world changed and you're holding yourself equally accountable. More time with your children didn't mean having a school in your basement. Um, I did do you know, that. Uh, working <laughs> when you wanted to, <laughs> working when you wanted to, didn't mean, oh my God, I better do this all now because it might all go away. Like right. the industry might blow up and the decisions or the information or the data that I had pulled together to make an informed decision got thrown out the window and here I am back. It's called survival mode and it's the stuff we do best. So you are almost pulled back to say, I can't, it can't be all the things I'm hoping for it to do, right? And I'll always say two steps forward, one step back. But it's interesting mm-hmm. to say, okay, so so if, as long as we look at mistakes, first of all, I don't think you regret for one second that you made your decision. Not at all. 
right? So there's there's that to bring into it. And then the world has changed. Uh, but I love how you've kind of like, okay, I don't think I'm in the mindset. So then that's just another perspective to say, mm-hmm. so the world needs to know that because people who made the decision before it even happened aren't in the mindset. So don't yeah. assume, you know, everyone has to be careful. The change hasn't happened yet. Like there, I was asked to comment on this thing on LinkedIn and it was like so useful. I'm like, I can't believe as a strategist, shame on us all that we think there's enough time and data to actually forecast a true direction. Do you know what I mean? The change right. that's going to happen will happen after whatever happens. Do you know what I mean? Like we're just adjusting to how we got used to not going into work. All these people and all mm-hmm. these high level you know, C-suite is saying, and it's driving me crazy that they're like, everyone just needs to get back to normal and don't get Lindsay started, right? What does Lindsay no do normal. when I say? There is no normal. And she'd be like, don't no. tell me. It's- <laughs> we are not so going I'm, back. I'm, we are only going I'm, forward. Exactly. So we're soapboxing a little bit, but what I love about the timeliness of all of this, Meg, and mm-hmm. how, you know, we let's give you a quick run through. We're like, we need to have a guess. We need someone that we think is just really cool and has a voice and actually speaks to us. If she'll do it, it'll be Meg. And then we had, you know, we had conversations with Meg and Meg was like, well, I really have this thing I'd love to talk about. And it was future of work. And it's like, who can't relate to this as it affects them right the second? Because we can have a conversation next week and another article came out. What I love about Meg's mm-hmm. recommended article was people, this is, this is not never, this is not unprecedented, right? The world has had major mm-hmm. changes and us as strategists need to kind of take that breath and go, so, so what do we know? So instead of worrying about everyone's talking about data now, it's, and it's like, there's still historical data. How has the world reacted to these things? A lot of things about the workforce as we knew it up until a year ago. And I think that's the thing that Lindsay gets frustrated with is we think that we're going back to that and we won't. Um, but in history, major shifts like, I think there's three of them. I think it's wars. I think it's pandemics or, or epidemics. And there's one other thing. Anyways, it's important. But these are the major things that affect civilization. <laughs> natural disaster. And setup. Is that I what think it is? It's natural disaster. I think you're right. I got you. So thank you, Lindsay. You always do. The idea here is, can everybody just take a breath and stop? And I think it's so true of our generation. I won't even say your generation. I'll say of our generations. People want answers. I come from a world and agency where you couldn't be what Meg or Lindsay are. You couldn't. No one cared. They're like, just don't tell me why you're doing. Just do what I need to do. So we would speculate on customer scenarios and we would speculate on this stuff. And I think with the millennials hitting that senior level, and then when you look at the the cohort below that, I don't mean below, but after, you're right, Meg, like you actually had to break the norm to say, I will not accept a job that doesn't allow me things that are important in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Because we... My generation was the ones that, what are you talking about? Are you freaking crazy? Because you're going to lose your job and you don't know what you're doing. You guys have that sort of, that millennial sort of, there are more valuable things in life. And it's because of the economy issues that have happened in your, you know, alongside with you. And then you have the Gen Xers who are going to be, no, sorry, Gen, Gen Z. Z. Gen Z. The Gen Zers. And I have, I have, uh, you know, a couple of my own. 
they just don't even understand why they're like why are you so stressed about this don't you work for yourself the generation after you is going to be even more demanding of it so i think it's that it cascades down where you just quoted someone you interviewed do you know what i mean is like they have such clarity and a lot of the stuff that we tended to do is absurd to them but it's funny because like like i think to to again someone who's like type a and you know you grow up watch your parents work hard all of that it's kind of like wow you have the privilege to just be 25 and be like i'm not accepting this and i'm not going to work then and you're like what kids these these days don't we have jobs (laughs) is that not what we do like it's so it's a funny thing and that's where sometimes i find like people have made the decision that that's what they want but they're not unpacking the why as to why they want it and what next now so i feel like that's what's going to come out over the next year or so people really analyzing what does that mean beyond just not being in a physical location what i think is we're going into this with a good perspective and i love how meg you've provided us this platform which is the topic to utilize art platform around how do we keep showing people that it's just constantly evolving and what do we have to tell them with all three of our observations to say if i could tell you one thing the one thing i'll say is you need to change your mindset right like that's what of mm-hmm. i did this for freedom and i'm not seeing freedom in what i've given myself right you're not allowing yourself to be free yeah and because your mindset is still of the old way yeah what do you think about that meg like do you think mindsets have shifted like in i like mine in, has in the agency conversations you're seeing uh, yeah and it's also why it's also why um you know it's interesting um at my previous agency <laughs> a lot of people quit and it was shocking i know this isn't unique to um you know our industry there's a huge resignation boom but a lot of people young people quit and i'm like so where are you going where's your next excitement nowhere well that's what i mean that's a luxury enlightened i think it comes with you know a lot of them staying at home or whatever they can't buy yeah but meg what are you seeing in terms of like mindset like what are you seeing in terms of like mindset and in the actual agency environment and coming from your other agency and going to a different agency who has maybe perhaps a different perspective do you think really different if we open the conversation to like other agency leaders and things like that what do you think how do you think people feel about mindset in the environment now well i think there are a couple like domino effects at least from my perspective one with everyone kind of working from home for a year and a half i think people have Mm -hmm. said hey i could do this on my own or Hey, I don't want to wake up at seven, sit at my desk. It's not worth it. Like I'm, you know, I'm not yeah. working for me. I think there's a different motivation, Lindsay, when you're like, this is my thing. I'm personally motivated. This is my personal brand. The harder I work, the more I get. For a lot of people below, you know, a director or VP level, there is no incentive to work harder other than to keep your job and maybe get a bit of a merit. Yeah. So, That's good. so I think there That's was this breaking good, yeah. point where Sean, to your point, where a lot of people were like, you know, flip the table. This is not worth it for me. It's crippling from a, a mental health perspective and um, wellness, you know, just an overall wellness. Yeah. It's prioritizing what matters in your life. And I, Linz and I are kind of from the same era where, you know, back when we were in our 20s, I couldn't, no one took stress leave. Um, and I couldn't imagine, um, you know, it was normalized to work yourself 
to death. Did you know, you know, did you even know that stress leave was a thing? No, even though it was, it might have been hidden in a policy or if you dug deep enough or you got over the shame of going to talk to someone, was it even something, you know, you could utilize? Yeah, I mean, even at that time, I remember I worked with you guys, but as you guys know, when I was at the end of my, you know, time working at that agency, I had cancer and I still went to work from the hospital every day from treatment from Princess Margaret to the office. And there's this idea of like, yeah, there's this idea of like, you You don't stop. You don't stop. This is like what you do almost in hindsight at the expense of you as a person. And I think for our era, there's this, you're almost like, for many of us too, maybe it's um, more significant when you don't have kids or whatever, but it's like, you're almost like who you are is so defined by what you do that it becomes yes. all consuming. And I think the pandemic, it got to that point where people were just like, you know, it was so affecting that they're like, I'm checking out of this completely. You know, it's, it's this one thing when Meg, when you shared that article and it was, it was, I was like, there is something I read that I just, if I can find a reason to kind of bring it in and quote, quote it loosely, cause I don't have it in front of me, but the idea is that, uh, it was an article from 1932 when the industry was really, you know, coming back from the depression, all that stuff. It was in, um, Harper's Bazaar. So I'll make sure to include it. Cause I think it's really relevant. And the idea is that the quote to take from it is there is a problem where our society sees work as virtue mm-hmm. and that's and it's it comes down from religion it comes down from practice any of that stuff i was raised a good catholic boy you believed what you were told because that you didn't have access to anything else and that was fine and we were raised to believe that working hard is a virtue and mm-hmm. when everything changes and when you talk about meg's scenario about going for chemo and going to work, what could drive that? And I think it's the core of, we need to start thinking of ourselves as virtuous when we work hard because virtue is- It's kind of like, I love that article because it's in sort of the language of that era, but essentially (laughs) if you rewrote it for today, it would really be like a criticism of hustle culture, which we're seeing now. A hundred percent. How the pandemic killed hustle culture and it was kind of already on its way out. And it's funny how it's cyclical. It's like, there's been these criticisms over and over. And I think what this article, um, the Atlantic article points out, they have this phrase. It's like, what house do you want to live in? What world do we want to rebuild? We're on the precipice of making that decision. And it will be really curious to see, you know, where we go from here. A hundred percent. I think that's such a great, great way to wrap it up because that's, I feel we're like, we're all living in that metaphor. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I decided Mm -hmm. that this house is a great representation of where I want to be. And Lindsay, would you say the same thing? You know, like whether that's a next step. Yes. I feel like we're each in our spot building our house based on our own architecture plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people have done. They're like, I'm moving out of this house, but I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. And I, I know think I don't the next this. year, yeah. The, yeah, the next two years will be like, what house are you building and why? Not just the fact that you needed to move. Yes. Does that house allow you to work how you want to work? Yes. You guys are smart. We are going to continue covering this topic a lot through season two. Meg, 
I can't thank you enough. Meg, will you come back? Oh my gosh, please invite me back. Maybe we could do an in-person one in the future though. Yes. I think we all have great backyards. 2022 goals, in-person recording. We can't wait for it to happen. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This was like, I'm so flattered that I get to be on one of the podcasts I actually listen to. It's so meta. It's amazing. Thank you. Meta. See, that's why she's cooler than me. I now I'm going to use that. (laughs) Meg, thank you so much. Yeah, take that away. All right. So happy to be back. Lindsay, always a pleasure. Have a great week, everybody. We will talk to you real soon. Thank you, Meg. Bye. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Wow. That was nuts. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes launch every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe to the Two Marketeers podcast wherever you like to listen. Or go to the twomarketeers.ca and connect with us. That's the twomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. We are everywhere. This podcast is over.